0: Hey, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dream Job System podcast. I'm your host, Austin Belsack. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the number one skill that you can learn for the next five years. And honestly, this skill is probably going to be super impactful for you for way, way, way longer than that. I can certainly tell you that it has been for me. So the number one skill that you can learn for the next five years is copywriting. Now, there are a lot of different skills out there that you might have heard about, right? You should learn how to code, or you should learn how to market, or you should learn how to sell. And all of those things have a really, really great return. But I still think that copywriting wins out. And the biggest reason for that is because so much of what we do in today's world, especially in the business world professionally, happens via written communication. So let's think about that. If we want a job, what do we do? We go and we write a resume, we go and we write a cover letter. If we are starting a business, we write a business plan, or we go out there and we try to pitch people with cold emails or written materials or a slide deck that has writing on it. And if we're building a brand, we actually have to go and write content and we have to write things for our website, for our services. A lot of the products we may actually be serving up are written, things like eBooks, things like articles, other pieces of digital content. And even within the confines of the corporate world, right? If we want to ask for a raise, we're typically sending an email with some sort of case study. If we want to have a conversation with a colleague or a client, we're slacking them and we're emailing them. If we just want to talk to a friend or a family member, we're more likely to text them than to do anything else. So the point I'm trying to make here is that The vast majority of the things that we do that directly impact our earning potential and our career growth and our personal growth happen via the written word. So if you're not working to understand the impact that the words that you use when you're writing something have, you are leaving a lot on the table. And that's exactly what copywriting is. It's simply leveraging words in a specific way, in a specific style, and in a specific format to get somebody else to take an action, to persuade them to do something. So put another way, uh, one of my favorite copywriters, Neville Medhora, he says that copywriting is essentially rearranging words to sell things better. And I think that's a really fun and simple way to describe what copywriting is. And the cool part about copywriting is that it's been around for such a long time, like literally over a century at this point. And actually, some of the best... Best copywriting materials have come from the early stages of the 20th century, when the written word was really all people had to advertise. There wasn't too much going on with the radio yet. Uh, obviously, not too much going on with the TV and the internet at that time. It was really the written word in newspapers, in magazines, on billboards. That's where a lot of this advertising happened. And so there was a huge emphasis placed on understanding how language and how different formats and styles actually influence people's ability to take an action or not take an action. And that was the basis for a lot of what we see today on the internet. So you may have noticed that some headlines seem more clickable or more enticing to you than others. And a big part of that is the way that they're written. It's the copy that's used. And there's a ton of data behind that that the internet has given us. Essentially, marketers have gone and taken the principles that they learned from these people back in the 20th century. And they've said, "Okay, let me put some data behind this from all of the users who are engaging with my content on the internet or all the people who are clicking on my ads. And there's a ton of data that show us really interesting things, such as including a number in a blog post headline is gonna increase the the click-through rate for that headline. And on top of that, odd numbers are more effective than even numbers. Now, these are things that we would never intuitively know unless we paid attention to them, but now there's all of this data behind them so we can actually make more informed decisions. So what I'd recommend that anybody does who's listening to this is invest a little bit of time into learning copywriting. You don't have to go down the rabbit hole. You don't have to invest 90% of your life into becoming a copywriting expert, but you do need to understand the basics of copywriting and the basics of how the things that you write influence others. So here are a couple of resources that I can recommend to help you get started. First and foremost, books are going to be your best friend here. So a couple right off the bat are The Adweek Guide to Copywriting by Joseph Sugarman, The Boron Letters by Gary Halbert, Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins is probably one of my absolute favorites, but I would start with those three. And then the biggest thing that you can do after that is practice. So what you want to have is an environment where you're going to be writing things, hopefully daily, but in some sort of consistent fashion, as well as the ability to get feedback on your writing. And that's one of the big reasons that I love social media so much. When we create content, it's short, which forces us to get better about our writing. And when we put it out there, we get immediate feedback in the form of reactions and replies and reshares and views. And so we can actually see how some of the things that we're testing out are changing the impact that we have on other people. But even if you're not doing that, just getting out there and starting to write, even if it's just for yourself, even if it's in private, even if it's stuff that you're not going to share by writing and taking some of the things that you learn in these books and putting them into action, you're naturally going to get better at copywriting. So you don't have to go out and publish on social media to get better. All you need to do is sit down and say, okay, here's the way that I might've said this thing. If I hadn't known anything that I know from these books, but from getting out there and learning a little bit more from these books, learning the tactics, learning the strategies, here's how I here's how I might change this thing. Here's how I might improve it, or here's something that I might want to test. And you can just go through these different iterations. So to give you an example of what this looks like in the real world, I'm going to take you back to the mid-20-teens when a company called Upworthy was picking up a lot of steam. They may have actually gotten started a little bit earlier than that. And if you're not familiar with Upworthy, they are essentially the company that really created clickbait headlines. They probably weren't the first to do it, but they really put it into the mainstream. So any of these headlines that go something like, here are seven things about the new iPhone you won't believe, number six is going to shock you. Or, you know, remember Macaulay Culkin, here's what he looks like now. Like any of those headlines that we've seen now in kind of these gimmicky billboard style uh, placements on these different websites, usually lower quality websites, those headlines were created by Upworthy and they caused a massive boost in viral growth from the articles that they created. So a lot of people picked up on that and they started incorporating those principles into their own headlines. But the reason that Upworthy was able to take advantage of this in such a big way was because they had all of their writers go through a 25 headline challenge. So essentially what this meant was that for every article that was published on Upworthy, the writer had to brainstorm and submit 25 different headlines. Now, the reason that they did this was because the first five headlines were easy. Those are the ones that just kind of come to mind. And then the the fifth headline through, let's say the 15th headline were a little bit harder. These were the headlines where you had to dig a little deeper. Maybe you break out the thesaurus, you swap out a couple of words, but then the headlines from the 16th to the 25th were where you really had to get creative. And they came up with some crazy, crazy stuff that was totally off the wall because you just wanted to submit this article, right? The writer wanted it off their desk. They wanted to get it published so they could move to the next article. And so instead of just dealing with writer's block, they would come up with some insane headline, they would add it in there and they would submit it. Because there wasn't any criteria around what the headline had to be per se, it just had to be somewhat relevant to the article. And typically, what Upworthy found is that the headlines that performed best and the ones that they ended up using most were generated from that 16 to 25th sample from this headline challenge. And that's how they ended up getting so creative, but also unlocking these styles of content that we hadn't seen before and naturally, that gave them a huge, huge advantage. So that's something that I'd encourage you to do with anything that you are thinking about writing. So if it's a bullet on your resume, try writing 10 different versions of it. If it's a headline for a blog post or a hook for a LinkedIn post, try writing 10 different versions of it. You don't have to go as far as 25 unless you want to, but even 10 will be a challenge. And what this will force you to do is think about how you can write things in different ways, how you can choose different words, how you can use different styles and structures. And that's going to get you more in tune with the impact that your writing has. That's going to make you a better writer, and that's going to lead to better outcomes in your life, no matter what your goals are. So that's it for today. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the podcast.